Welcome to Two Day Dream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Space Serpent 18. And today we've reached the end of season three. Yay! <laughs> so um, joining me on this glorious uh, podcast um, are two returning guests who are pretty awesome, in my opinion. So, uh, Hi, I'm Connie. I'm Sleep to Play Mine on Tumblr, and I'm happy to be here. Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> hi, I'm Snarky Hag. Oh, I'm also happy to be here. <laughs> I was going to say, are you not happy to be here tonight? <laughs> so happy. Apex of happiness right now. All right. So it is time to say goodbye to this season. All right. So this is the graduation episode. And I know it gets a lot of flack. I know that a lot of people, they just think about the past 10 minutes and are just like, why? I hate this thing. I actually don't hate this episode, believe it or not. Um, this is one of the few season three episodes that I, I kind of enjoy, except for I, I do understand what we'll, we'll talk about the last 10 minutes at the end, but I kind of like it. You know, I I watched it last night one more time, and I liked it the most I've ever liked it in that watching. And I think it's probably just because I was over any of my own personal, like, subjective feelings about it, and I was watching for the structure of the episode it is well structured and you know i actually felt things in the last five minutes of the episode that i wasn't expecting to feel that i didn't feel before probably because i was busy feeling other things um so i'm I'm, i was like i shockingly i liked it quite a bit in my most recent viewing yeah i agree with snarky um I watched the episode last night too, and I, it's been a long time since I watched it. And I think uh, I had a I had a different perspective because a I hadn't. It's been a while since I watched the episode, and um, and b um, I think I've had the benefit of having uh, being very circumspect. Now that we've seen you know the entire series run it's it's interesting to kind of see that from a perspective of where things have gone so um so i found myself feeling really reflective and having different feelings about when i different feelings about the episode than when i originally watched it you know in real time on fox the first time live so um, i'm i'm really curious to see what you guys have a perspective you guys have so 
Well, we start off, um, we kind of open up with a flashback. And, and before we talk about that, you know, one thing that's interesting to me about this episode is that it's very evoking of nostalgia. And I think that's really fascinating for a show that's not that old. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the end of season three. It's not, I mean, uh-huh. but at the same time, when you think about it, your high school years aren't that long either. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's appropriate, even if when you start, take a step back and you're like, wait a minute, this stuff was just a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, on the one hand, it's all of the seniors reflecting on this transitional time. And it's also like this huge personal transition for Will. He is freaking out. Um, and so there's just so much nostalgia coming just from him alone. Even if the seniors were like, all right, high school's done, whatever. I don't really care. Will is, like, top ten concerned about it. Maybe more than he did about his own high school graduation. I mean, it's... He's seriously, seriously going through a lot of emotions here. But, yeah, once he... Once they leave, he's not going to have any friends anymore. So, he's going to be all alone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought it was interesting from... uh, The thing that I noticed about Will this time is that and it struck me for the very first time is that uh, how structurally wise, how he starts off with, uh, you know, while well, he's nostalgic, he's thinking back to the first time that he had the core group together. And then um, I don't know how, how far marching, how further ahead we want to get into it. But when he does, uh, when he does the song Forever Young, I thought it was interesting that he, that in each three of the, send-offs he does that for he he sings he serenades them with a song um in season one in the season one finale you get uh somewhere over the i think somewhere over the rainbow and the ukulele and then on the on the very serious finale he does um teach your children also on the uh, also on his guitar so i thought it was it was interesting how he uses all three serenades, and I mean, particularly this one with Forever Young. I thought it was uh, interesting how he does that. Yeah, I, I never thought it about is, that. That is interesting because he doesn't, in a lot of ways, he doesn't have a lot of performances. And so it's, it's totally interesting to see that, like, that theme run through each of his emotional points. Like mm-hmm. these highly emotional points throughout the series for him. Mm-hmm. And how he usually expresses it through song, too. So. Yeah. Through a particular, like, very stripped-down, very emotional song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this is... A, a, the nice thing about this performance, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can joke about Will being having issues because he doesn't make friends and all of his actual friends are seniors that are leaving. Um, it's a really nice uh, performance for the, the kids because you get, like, you get a rundown of a lot of these relationships or just, you know, just by glances to each other across the room and Mm -hmm. um, like the sense of, you know, things are changing and people are leaving and it's kind of a sadness Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of laced on it. It's interesting to me how much Will does, he just behaves in every possible way across the spectrum of this episode. He just acts like he's one of the kids, like he acts like a junior who's having the seniors mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. Uh, Emma acts like an adult to, to like towards the entire thought of them, but he is so clearly positioned himself as one of them. These mm-hmm. are his people. And he seems just as distraught as Blaine, quite frankly, about what's going on because he's a junior and he's going to be left behind. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's part, partly because I, I think it's maybe from a narrative standpoint, like it's, this is the core group that he started off with. So when he, uh, I guess, he, maybe is he has a hard time struggling to know when, you know, how that, how he's going to react in the next season and how he's going to say goodbye to the kids. Because when you start off with these core group and when you, you know, you've been through a lot together, um, is you have an, even a more emotional attachment. But I, I see what you're saying that he positions himself like as, as one of the, as he's one of the uh, Glee Club and not as a teacher per se. So, yeah. I mean, I do, I, I totally love the way they used sit down, rock in the boat, the mm-hmm. cutbacks to previous versus them. And they're not even doing like a great performance of it. They're, they're clearly just like sort of dorking around and being silly. Um, but it's such a wonderful little nostalgic moment. Uh, and I think it hits just like it hits just as hard for Will as it does for a viewer who's like, oh, yeah, they were so cute. And mm-hmm. I love how dorky they look even more so in the pilot <laughs> flashback. And now they, they I don't I don't know. It's not like any of them except for Kurt has really changed, have really changed all that much. But um I don't know. You know, Tina has a little bit. Rachel obviously is styled way better. Mercedes is styled better. Artie doesn't have any... I mean, Kurt's just like, it's totally different. He's also sweaty. I know. <laughs> it's so great. I feel bad for him that they use that, but, you know, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to I have to point out that one point that really struck me when they were doing the Forever, when he was seeing the... Well, was seeing Forever Young, and you get these... Uh, you said you you're referring to these uh, these camera pans of the of the students like the kids' reactions. I have to say that it was really given to all that stuff that happened with Cor and or Corey Monteith. Um, seeing Finn's reaction when he was seeing or uh, when Will was seeing Forever Young, that really added a poignancy to me. I mean, it it was kind of hard for me to separate. Um, what happened in real life with, you know, his character on the show. And I felt, I just felt an added um, sadness in some respect. So. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, the song is mm-hmm. about forever young, keeping this memory of this youth. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. There's also um, one of the more famous uh, Blaine just looking already heartbroken and Kurt throws him a smile, but you're like, oh, Blaine, he's already in that place. He's already Mm -hmm. to next year. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that you could definitely see that further on in the episode when they have their conversation. I think their second our second conversation about them, you know, what's going to happen next year. So you could really tell that was kind of foreshadowing. I also really liked the structure of the monologue. I think that was a really smart way to organize the episode and go through the characters. Um, You know, the fact that they started with Kurt, I couldn't help but feel this parallel to the 2009 episode, Mm -hmm. the actual episode, not one in 2009. Um, And just, like, for the characters in 2009 who had similar monologues, um, you know, one of the things Glee does really well is make parallels or be repetitive. Like, <laughs> you can do However you want to look at it. <laughs> um, uh-huh. 
but I, I thought that was a really smart choice for uh, going through each of the seniors that they could mm-hmm. in that way. Yes. And of course, Kurt's monologue is adorable. Yeah. I, I did want to say one really quick thing about the, the Forever Young thing. Um, I, mm-hmm. I did kind of like um, th- that Mercedes was sitting next to Kurt and I think they hold hands at one point. Um, but it's just kind of a nice throwback to Kurt Sadie's because they don't get a lot to do in this season. And um, I don't know. It's just a nice little nod to that friendship. Yeah. But Anyway, um, yes, Kurt's monologue. I actually have that written down. Can we talk about how there's some sort of weird um, editing problem? Not like They're on a the track. Of his monologue, he's floating. Yeah, they all are. Walking. They all start floating at first and then they start walking. It's like they're on a track or something. Yeah, like he's mm-hmm. floating, and then they cut to something, and then he's walking. I don't know. Why Maybe he it's just to the whole time. show that they they are a, a they're no longer a part of this this place that they are kind of you know removing themselves from it. It's possible the floating doesn't go on very long, but I, it is notable. <laughs> um, here is Kurt's voiceover. When I first got to McKinley, I was afraid to make eye contact. I don't talk about my politics. I didn't share what was in my heart. I, oh, let's just call the Cadillac pink and be done with it. I was in the closet. And most days, I was also in the dumpster. But McKinley had made me a stronger, more socially conscious, fashion-forward person. And perhaps I played some small part in making it possible for tadpole gays all over Lima to be themselves in public. Not a bad legacy for someone who once pretended to be in lust with Rachel Berry so I wouldn't have to date Mercedes Jones. Now, if I can just get through the next few days without turning to a hot mess, teary, uh, hot mess, teary train wreck. I like that they show um, when they go through each of the monologues, they don't show the characters interacting with characters we know. We showed them in the greater McKinley sense. So, like, he high fives like a basketball player and then there's like some gays and so there's other people who have other like random things in there. And it sort of takes it out of, like, just the Glee Club, Club focus and into this larger world focus, which I think is sort of really interesting for seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that they go, he talks about the hot mess, Terry train wreck, and then it's like, Interbert, here come the fields. Oh, yes. I want to say about the, the basketball player that he high fives or whatnot. It's, it's to show how far he's come yeah. in the last two years. Like he's not being yeah. thrown in the dumpsters by these jocks anymore. They're like, Hey, that's just the, you know, they probably don't even call him gay kid. It's just Kurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great choice to have, have him high-fiving a jock and then have the two younger guys walk by him. I know. Smiling. I love the two tabular yeah. gays. They're so cute. Uh-huh. Um, I do need to say, because it was such a big source of contention that we, um, uh, when we were talking about dance with somebody, it was at Kurt's locker. Um, it is the, he, it's the changed locker that is all of like the memorabilia of the past four years. Um, the Blaine Shrine has come down and it's now like a homage to all the seniors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's what they put up at the end of the Whitney one. Right. Still yes. That one, right? Yeah. Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, you know, and then talking about um, Kurt's uh, arc during the season and kind of the entire series He's, you know, he has spent so much of, you know, season one being down and working his way up. And season two started in a really low place and he started working his way up. And in season three, he's kind of at the top of, his, you know, he's confident. He's going through these walls, like being liked and, and 
being, you know, someone who's respected in his high school now, and he's got all of these good things going for him. And it's it's going to be just a sharp left turn when we get into season four. So it's it's mm. nicer, even though, I mean, I guess the Nyata stuff doesn't come, happen until the end, and then Kurt's senior year wasn't perfect, but it seems like right here, he's in a, in a good place, leaving McKinley. Well, it shows him with so much support structure. Like, his, he has his yeah. own internal confidence in this incredible support structure. I mean, obviously, none of the other characters get as much universe built around them. There's not as much as many other characters that exist within their universe. Uh, but they do a really good job of pointing out how not isolated he is. Yeah, and how much he's grown throughout three seasons. So it's a it's nice progression if you follow it. All right, so, yep, um, Bert is waiting for him in the auditorium because Bert has a very special um, graduation gift. And, man, Bert doesn't, like, get you, like, a, you know, hat and a tie and a book you wanted to read. He goes all out and gets really creative with his gifts. Yeah. Well, as far as we can tell, Canon, he only does big emotional gestures. Mm-hmm. He brings him blame. Yeah. He does this. I can't think of anything else. I do like that they... Like, he gets called in to the auditorium, and Kurt, he's automatically nervous about Niata, and for a moment he has this adorable look on his face, like he's going to throw up. I like that Kurt thinks that Elaine Stritch is going to be there. <laughs> and then Bert's like, I don't and know Bert who that is. <laughs> <laughs> he says, um, I'm easy, just get me something from Tom Ford's Vanities and Vanities Fair. And Bert again mm-hmm. is like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Well, and before he gets up there, he talks about, you know, because this is kind of a, I don't want to say, it's not really an ending to their story, but it it kind of nicely caps off the first, you know, the first season they were, you know, in two different places and trying to find their way back to each other as a father and son. And here really marks, you know, where Bert is like, okay, they're kind of on the same page. Um, Yeah, I really like, what does Bert say? He says something about how they start walking towards each other instead of in opposite directions yes yeah and that yeah and i really was struck by how um how comfortable the relationship was in that sense at that time and how uh, you know and how bert felt this was the best way to express himself you know that he that he um that he wanted to show Kurt, yeah, I realized that this was the turning, this particular point when they did Single Ladies was the turning point to where we started to actually walk towards each other instead of getting closer, instead of, you know, falling, you know, walking away in that he acknowledged that he wasn't, uh, and he acknowledged his own um, struggles prior to that when his mother died, when his, you know, Kurt's mother died and everything, and I thought it was really great that he acknowledged that. I mean, he's always been open and honest with with Kurt, but I thought it was a really great moment when he did that. So, yeah, and it's notable yeah. that he says, like, you know, I don't know what to get you. And then what he gets him is, of course, the most perfect thing. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. um, first of all, can we think about the se- a second that Bert called up Tina and Brittany and said, will you do this with me? <laughs> I, I remember I saw, when I remember that I I just was so tickled by that when I saw Tina that. and Brittany uh, are so they are enjoying it so much mm-hmm. when they walk out onto the stage they are smiling they're like this is gonna be awesome yeah. you know yeah. Bert puts yeah. on the glove mm-hmm. and then they do again more flashbacks yeah 
Oh, and I mean, yeah, another, everybody changes a little bit over the course of six years, but nobody went through puberty the way Chris Colfer did on the show. Uh Yeah, Yeah, well, the rest of them were 30 to start. (laughs) (laughs) So to see, again, it's just two years, but to see just the growth in those flashbacks is kind of crazy. And shout out to Bert's rendition of Single Ladies. He doesn't do a bad job. No. He he throws himself into it with abandon, and I love that. (laughs) He just goes for it. (laughs) I I love at the beginning of it that Kurt's like, like the second it clicks, he's like, God, no, don't do this, don't do this. But then it Um, ends up being one of the best things, you know, ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he just kind of enjoys it because he... I, I just love Chris Colford's expression during that whole thing. So I think he I think I think in one of the behind the scenes thing he just said he was he himself was really, really amused by the whole thing. So it it went it, it showed during the performance too. Oh yeah. Oh. Well, I mean if I sat there and watched Michael Manley dance like that, it would be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so going on, we actually get our claim scene right after this, where you start to really see that these two just, uh, these two, um, you know, so Blaine obviously was not in on any of the single lady stuff because Kurt's uh, talking about it and gushing about it. And then Blaine's like, well, what about my gift of what you, the towels? Monogrammed towels. Monogrammed towels. Because he's fancy. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm sure Kurt loved those. <laughs> I'm sure they were the perfect kind. I wish that later in the series we see him with some monogram towels somewhere in the loft. Oh, that would have been fun. Blaine wants to have, you know, this conversation that they obviously have not talked about at all. Um, about what how their long-distance relationship is going to work. Because Blaine is worried about it. He's been worried about it. Even though they talk about it with dance with somebody, he he just can't, you know, he's having a hard time with it. And it's because he's, you know, facing this prospect of being there next year without Kurt. And he's having a hard time dealing with that. And he's afraid that not only being alone, he's going to lose Kurt on top of that. While mm-hmm. Kurt, on the other hand, is like, what? It's going to be fine. I'm fine. I'm not going to worry about it. We're fine. Yeah. Well, I think on the it, one hand, he's saying, you know, I am committed to this. Mm-hmm. And he's also, you know, he's, he himself, like, he thinks that. He he is fully committed to the idea. He thinks it 100%. And so he wants to reassure Blaine that, you know, cause, because I think Kurt, Kurt doesn't say it as often or maybe as frequently when, when Blaine is feeling insecure, he doesn't say it maybe enough for him to hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. So Kurt's just like, we've been, you know, I don't want to have the talk because we don't need to have the talk, but we've been over this, you know, this is forever, 100% forever. Um, I don't understand why they're having the talk on the last day of school because there's the summer, but whatever. Uh, I realized they had to fit it into the episode. <laughs> you don't break up with someone on the last day of school. You break up yeah. the week before you go to college. Duh. Um, well, I think they kind of. T- they, I think that conversation sort of mirrored the conversation they had in Emma's office uh, and dance with somebody, because yeah, yeah, that then um, 
Blaine finally kind of voiced his insecurities, and Curtis is like, no, 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 no it's fine. He tried to reassure Blaine that, no, 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 it's going to be fine. We'll Skype each day. You can uh, come visit me and all that stuff. And then that when he voices his concerns again, he, he he says, not to, I don't think he's dismissing Blaine, but he's just saying, no, it's, things are going to be fine. And I don't think he realizes yet how hard, how hard it's going to be the following I mean, he you definitely know, doesn't, yeah. but he's not, Yeah, he's promising something that he believes, mm-hmm. you know? He he knows that, see, it's kind of a, it's a sweet sentiment and yet naive because Kurt is already living in the future and yeah, he's like, sure. I'm going to, I have my plan. I'm going to New York. You'll be there with me. And then 50 years yeah, from think, now, th- we're going to be in Kurt the nursing thinks, home. Yeah. That in, that in the, that the next year will pass quickly. It's just it's just a speed bump on the way to that nursing home where they talk mm-hmm. about how cute the other one is. Mm-hmm. They talk about the notebook and all that. Yeah, oh, of course they do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and that's the thing, I, you know. And we have to bring it up because breakup watch is definitely a season three thing. But I, I've, I've always kind of interpreted interpreted that one of the things leading up into the breakup is the fact that Blaine is too insecure and untrusting of his relationship and Kurt is too trusting of it. And he's not putting in, I mean, he's ignoring Blaine's, you know, um, insecurities and brushing them off at the same time. Blaine is not, you know, he's just, he's got some of his own issues, but you know, on his own. And then like, you know, worried all the time. And because they're 18 year old kids and have never done this before and really don't know what they're doing and don't know what to expect. It it is going to be, it's a a growing and learning experience. Sure. But if this had been the last episode of this series, we would have assumed that they had a happily ever after. True. But I would have expected something a little bit more. This scene feels a little, and maybe it's just because we know what happens. It doesn't feel as assuring as if it was meant to be, here's the end. And that's, they live happily ever after. I don't know. I just, well, there's the, you know, there's a season three problem with physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in a classroom by themselves. They could have done more than just hug. They didn't even hug. They just held hands. It was very sweet. And I think that they're, Oh, I thought there was like some, no, I'm just mixing it all together. No, they just definitely kind of, Kurt kind of reached over and took his hand and things, but that was about it. Which is, super intimate from that for them yeah they have a whole thing about hands and they have eye contact and it really mm-hmm. is meant to be like this is some serious connection we are looking at each other we are holding hands we are having this talk and solidifying the fact that we love each other and we're gonna do it uh-huh um uh, two two thoughts actually came to my head um the first being that this scene is so intimately played that i don't need them to like be making out in the classroom it feels intimate sure. enough yeah um, the they second, don't. oh, sorry, they don't, any other couple would have, but maybe they just don't because they don't, it's just because it's clear you, you can't help but think like, well, all the other couples would have kissed then. Cause that's how they operate. Like that's how teenagers operate. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how most people operate, but <laughs> <laughs> normal people. No, uh, I'm just saying n- uncensored people. emotional moment, you know, there's like a thing. Um, at the, the second thing was that, you know, it's interesting and not intentional. I'm just kind of doing this because it, it, it's a, 
um, unintentional parallel. But think about it, this goes back to the Purple Piano Project and how Northern Lima being in a whole hands. And Kurt's like saying that he's going to have the best uh, senior year ever. Uh, and, um, and yeah, so they're at the end of the senior year and Kurt's had the best senior year ever. I mean, not really, but it's been pretty good. It's been mm-hmm. pretty good. So, yeah. But yep. I will admit, you know, Blaine does make things magical. He does. Uh-huh. And and I kind of like, I, I just want to give a shout out to Kurt's little fantasy of the future. I just like the idea of like, I'm watching, you know, Kurt's going on about to some orderly about, you know, the love of his life and Blaine's in the other room watching American Smith, the American Smith, I can't even say it. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, it's these two are the real deal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember at the time when we were when I was seeing it, when we were watching it in real time, yeah, when the episode aired, I remember there was so there was still people were so invested in Kurt and Blaine that that section. that we had been through so much with them as a couple and that we were still a little bit unsure about whether you know they were meant to be or whether they're going to be together in the long term. So I remember with that, I remember the fandom reaction was, was they were, um, we were all pleased at a certain point, but we were all still nervous about what was to come in the future. So uh, we were looking, we were, at that point we were picking to part every little single thing they said in conversation to figure out Okay, will they be a couple? Will they? You know, everything. <laughs> you know, so I just remember that that time when we were at, when the episode aired. It was a real um, uneasy kind of feeling. So Yeah, going into that, I agree. I think that they put this scene in on some level to be like, hey, universe, everything's fine. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Media, fandom, we're good. Before I forget, yeah. <laughs> I want to mention um, Kurt's, because Kurt... Blaine makes the big gestures. Kurt makes his, makes the deep promises. And he says, again, I told you I'm never saying goodbye to you. And and mm. even through both breakups, that is something that he never does. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that line is, could be, and that line has become like the, uh, the thing that people cling to the most throughout their whole, um, their whole arc of their relationship is that Kurt, that Kurt never said goodbye. <laughs> Would never truly say goodbye to Blaine. So, okay. Well, then we get into um, Kurt's solo, which I'll be really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this, um, because first of all, um, let's talk about the dedication. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he dedicates it to all the men in the room, and I. Uh, Kind of, I feel like I have a hard time with this. I feel like this was the writer speaking and not Kurt speaking. Yes. Yeah, I had an issue with that too. If he said I dedicate to everybody, if he had said that I dedicate to everybody in the Glee Club, and not just like the, you know, single the guys, you know, I think I would have had less of an issue with that. And plus, I think. Um, I had a, but I had an issue about his solo in general, his choice of song. I, I I didn't really feel as affected by it as the season two, like when he sang the solo 
in season two when he came back to McKinley, uh, uh, one of my favorite solos ever from him, as if we said, give, as if we'd never said goodbye. That is a solo that I really thought that was that was meaningful and everything. As opposed, now as opposed to this one, I didn't really get the sense of. Um, I, I don't know. I just had a had a bigger issue with the song selection and his choice of wording there. So it didn't really sit well with me, and it still doesn't now after I watch it. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the dedication. It's too much. Well, like it's it's too much to handle when in the same episode you have Puck giving all the dudes uh, romance gifts. No, that was. One thing that that was back in dance with somebody. Oh, I've watched them both yesterday. Okay, so my point is that Puck Puck has, like, there is a group of guys, and Mm -hmm. Kurt is solidly not in it. Yeah. Not at all. And so, and they're kind of okay with him, kind of, but they haven't really been awesome to him, aside from Sam and Mike Chang, who have been solid the entire time. Yeah. The rest of them, not so much. And so I just felt like that was Glee trying to push a narrative that wasn't really accurate for the character. Um, because the guys really haven't done much for him in terms of his story along the way. Uh, he's, I mean, it's certainly not more than the girls in the room. Uh, but uh, you know, it also you know they also kind of want to make him thank Will, which I'm like, barf. That's not really accurate. Either. Yeah, that's. I, um, I feel like, th- well, first of all, except for Finn and Blaine, and you really can't. I feel like you can't really even count Blaine in this context. That he doesn't have any kind of a relationship. I mean, yeah, Mike and Sam are nice to him, but there's no kind of friendship there. The Rhett, Rory, Puck, Artie, and Joe—they're whatever. They don't, have they ever even had a scene? Nothing, nothing. And um, yeah. don't tell me. Yeah, you're right. Don't tell me about Will and Finn was a work in progress for a long time. So it's hard to swallow on that level. But on top of that, and I don't know if you guys notice it, but there's a lot of there's a lot of Finn thinking in this episode. Like, Jesus, let's. Yes. I know it was really hard in retrospect. It's really hard. Yes. So. So yeah, it gets a little uh, okay. <laughs> um, this particular solo is not a favorite of mine of Kurt's. Um, the, there's a lot of lyrics that actually kind of work. I think the lyrics work great. It's just not a very. It's not. It's not a great song. I, he does. It's a beautiful performance, and the yeah. lyrics are very fitting. But you know, of all the songs he sings, I think the song itself is just probably the most boring one yeah there's not much to it well and then there's like it's so funny um uh there's i'll remember the love you gave me now that i'm standing on my own uh i'll remember the way you changed me which is a nice lyric and really can speak to just about anybody in that room um there's a bird analogy which i think is hilarious (laughs) inside i was a child that cannot mend a broken wing outside i looked for a way to teach my heart to sing um and then, um, no, I've never been afraid to cry. Now I finally have a reason why. Um, which are very, cur- so I, yeah, the song does make yeah, sense. It's, it's a, yeah. And it's Madonna. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's a really boring Madonna song. Yeah, it is. The thing is, I think it goes back to 
back to for me if he hadn't singled out the guys in the room and he just said the glee club they dedicated to the glee club i would have had a better time with yeah. the song yeah. but since he singled out the guys that kind of set up the context a bit off for me well so, and they panned all of the guys too i mean it's like yeah i mean i don't even know if i don't remember blaine even gets a pan i mean he probably does but it's mostly like close up of the guy and Rachel, but I mean, because uh, Rachel's probably in Finn's lap. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, well, speaking of Finchel, um, they uh, meet Kurt. This must be the next day because Kurt's wearing something different. Um, they're at the lockers and they're like, "Okay, guys, we're gonna get our college letters soon." You know, we'll make a pact and open up in the choir room. And they pinky swear. Yeah, yeah. I like how very much both Rachel and Finn are invested that the three of them are doing this together. Kurt has not really expressed things in that same way. You know mm-hmm. how I think of it? He yeah. never really has. <laughs> but, yeah. but both Rachel and Finn are like, I'm going with my significant other and Kurt. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, and I, I I think that goes back to going go, go, uh, kind like, of Do they signals. need him? Is he an important part of their relationship? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the communication in the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and Rachel points that out, you know, towards the end of the episode when she gets up, you know, after they get their letters and, you know, they, you know, he said, oh, it'll be good. Then I'll have, you know, Kurt with me and, and, uh, and, you know, Finn with me and everything is going to be still going to be fine and everything like that. And I th- I think they just assume that they're going to be, you know, that Kurt's going to be there with him, even though. I feel more of a pack between Rachel and Kurt. I mean, especially towards the beginning of, since what they swore to each other at the beginning of the year, then three of them together. So, Yeah, Finn's actually the third wheel in that setup. I mean, I understand why they do it in some ways, because those are the three leads of the show. Mm -hmm. So that's really what this episode is about. Um, I just thought it was funny that... um, you know, Kurt goes out of his way to talk about to talk with Blaine and to talk with Bert. And he agrees, oh yeah, you know, we should open our letters together. And he and Finn are chatting the lockers before Rachel comes up and does it. But he doesn't seem like he needs Finchel with him yeah, as much as they clearly require him. <laughs> I agree. Yep. Uh-huh. Um it- also, there is a, it's a good time to bring up this deleted scene that I'm kind of ignoring because I don't like it. Um, it's where um, Rachel and Kurt sign each other's yearbooks and Rachel just gushes all over his. And it's like, you're my soulmate and I can't imagine New York without you and you're so amazing and I love you. And but I'm like, okay, fine, stop. <laughs> it's it, that. I would have liked to have had a scene about their friendship that didn't involve Finn. Um, but, you know, Rachel is just irritating in the way that Rachel is irritating. So maybe I'm glad that I didn't have to see it. Yeah. I mean, episode. you can easily, easily access it. Access it. Um, if you just put in, like, deleted graduation scene, it comes no, up on no, YouTube. I'm just saying, like, within the, within the way the episode worked, I think I was happy to not have that as mm-hmm. part of 
like canon what they showed. And I feel really bad because, you know, most of the time there's a claim deleted scene. And I'm like, all right, we have to talk about this, even if it sucks. And this one, I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> well, she seems really overly effusive to the point of it's like laying it on really thick. And I'm like, I like do you. Re- I was wondering if she would genuinely met that. You know, I know She's that one they had biggest fans. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we flustered. At some point, so. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a strong third. She's got she's uh, she's distant third from the other two. Come on, mm-hmm. but you know. <laughs> oh man, she's Kurt Stan number three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what this episode was written by Brad Felchuk, and uh, Brad was <laughs> yeah. Brad really loved Finchel, really loved mm-hmm. Finchel, um, and and that's the one reason we get sometimes these overly heavy. Like I remember some there was some interview that he did. I don't know when. I don't know where. I'm probably misquoting it. That he he didn't understand why people didn't love Finchel as much as he did. <laughs> so. This is why I think the Glee creators didn't get why we didn't get it. The rest of us didn't hang out with Corey. Corey was apparently a really great person, super fun. Everybody liked him. And I think that bled over, mm-hmm. but not into the show. Like, if you're just watching the show and you don't know this super awesome person, like, apparently, you know, Matt Morrison is apparently quite a decent person as well and interesting and nice. However, what I see as a viewer is not something I want to see anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have these people who are intimately involved in the show with the people, with their lives. And so, of course, you know, if you think Corey is wonderful, you think Finn is maybe more wonderful than you're portraying and you probably have a greater affinity for those things because of your personal connection to it. Yeah. All right. Well, jumping back in, um, we're going to probably skim through these next seniors a little bit, but um, we've got Santana who, oh, Santana doesn't really know what she's doing with her life. Um, (laughs) Oh, because wait, because Mercedes is going to be a backup singer and Sam has bought every balloon in this thing. I know. I love (laughs) that. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's sad because Mercedes doesn't get a little voiceover thing. Um, she doesn't no, have a little. I wish she did. I did too. Oh, she did. And I, I was stumped. That's one of the things that I didn't like about the episode because I was like, she was one of the, I mean, the core people, and she didn't get uh, a voiceover. So I was a bit peeved by that. Still, am, yeah. So. Maybe that's on the cutting room floor, but that's something that they, that was an oversight for sure. It was. And I love that Sam's so excited for her. I mean, they're not even dating, but they're, he's just like, yep, she's awesome. She's amazing. She's going to go to LA. Yeah. He's Mercedes Stan number one. Yep. I I also like how cool Santana is about it too. I like that that friendship is pretty sincere. As mean as Santana is to just about everybody, I don't think Mercedes she's ever really mean to. Um, maybe at the beginning of the like season one, there were a few times because they fought over Puck once, but uh, um, mm-hmm. for the most part, no. So, um, and then we get uh, information on Mike Chang, who's going to Chicago, um, and there is a deleted scene that I found. I just found this a little while ago that he actually has a wrap up to his um, his storyline where his dad is like accepting of him deciding to go to dance. So he's going to go to Chicago and Tina's there and they have a happy little family moment. Um, oh. so 
can move I I don't mean to go backtrack, but before we go, I wanted to mention something about Santana real quick. Now that was that I, I was really struck by this time when I watched that that scene at Birdsticks with her mom and with Brittany. I found up my one. I found up wanting myself. Where I found myself wanting more time and getting to know uh, her mother a little bit more. I wish they, I wish they had more time because Gloria Stefan. I was really happy to see her as Santana's mother, and the conversation was so quick. I was like, no, I want more of that. So I just that was something I just noticed on especially this time when I was watching. So. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean okay. to like. I'm kind of going in order of the um. Oh, that's, that's okay. I, I thought it was nice to see Britannia sitting together um, as a couple in the booth. You know, when you think about in parallel or in contrast to that time when they're holding hands across the booth under a napkin. Oh yeah, it's that, that's a that's a that's a really significant contrast. That's so yeah, I like good. that Breadsticks is their romantic place. Mm-hmm. I also kind of mm-hmm. like that her mom is so kind of cool and accepting of the fact that she's a lesbian. I mean, we don't. She says it in I Kissed a Girl that her parents are fine with it, but it's nice to, after the stuff with her grandmother, nice to mm-hmm. see that her pa- her mom is like, yeah, I always, you know, wondered because you had the John Stamos haircut and full at full house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And once again, another John Stamos joke. I'm glad it continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I'm glad I got to carry through all that. Um, I am a little sad that... Um, that Britney, this is the first time we hear anything about Britney's future, and it's like, oh yeah, I failed, whatever. So. Well, I mean, you know, she's a sad light character to Santana in a lot of ways. Mm. It makes total sense. She should have failed. <laughs> she and Puck should have both failed. 100%. Mm. But it is a nice scene, and, Br- and Britannia, Britannia, Santana does express that she really doesn't want to go to this to Louisville, even though she does end up going, but... Mm-hmm. Okay, so we go into um, I actually kind of like this aspect They have the seniors sing a song To the juniors Um, I do like this Shoot, why am I blinking on the name of the song? (laughs) Uh, You'll you'll only get what you give Give, Yeah, you get what you get You you get, yeah You give what you get You you give what you get, yeah (laughs) I have to say, this song in particular Every time I you know, the way that it's, I really like the way that it was staged and the choreographed and just the looks, you know, that each the interaction between the two. And I have to say, every time that I hear this song, you know, now that I've seen the episode every time since then, I well up. <laughs> Even if I hear the original part of the, you know, the original version of the song, I just tear up because it's so emotional at the time. So it's just like them handing it off. The, the seniors handing it off to the juniors and say, "This is you, this is yours now." So it's a good group number, and they also, you know, they do the thing where they switch places. I, I really like happy. that they acknowledge some, um, like Rachel goes over to Tina, and 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 Mercedes goes to Artie, and these little connections that these seniors have had with these juniors. It's not always the you know big, you know, it's not like Mike going over to Tina. It's all of these little moments, and it's really cute. I I really like it. Yeah, well, you Kurt could, does real blend in like a. Fish. He does. <laughs> I mean, Mike does I go to it. Tina and 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 like ask for the dance thing, and then yeah, Kurt definitely does real blend in, which is hilarious. The yeah. reeling, the the 
the dorky couples dance where one person reels and the other person like a fish is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Quinn goes to Joe and um and Mercedes nobody cares but she she also goes to Artie and then like Mercedes goes over to Sam and Mm -hmm. it's really sweet yeah and Santana even acknowledges Mrs. Hugh at some point I think I don't know exactly yeah oh yeah that's good I don't want him to have to go cry in his (laughs) in his office oh but it's really cute and then at the end of it, there is another little uh, clean moment where when they switch places and they both, like, Kurt lets out this big sigh and Blaine kind of looks at him sadly, but it's kind of like this acknowledgement. It's like, okay, we're, we're doing this. We're, we're going to yeah. take the next step. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if it was just me reacting to the scene, but I could, t- I, I don't know if Blaine actually, you know, there, Chris is so expressive in his eyes and his expression. I, I don't know if he kind of walled up or something, but I could do this. Even when I watched this, you know, yesterday, I, I, I noticed the scene and he sort of like gets gets teary. And I don't know whether it's just me reacting to the scene or whether he does. Oh, he does. Blaine is almost half crying uh, to this entire episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. There's a really fantastic parallel that runs through the episode between Blaine and Will, sadly, Mm -hmm. where they're both going through this thing where, you know, they're really concerned that things are changing and it's not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. And then you have Kurt and Emma saying, like, I'm going to love you forever. Oh, the kids will come back for the wedding. It'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, the next scene in the episode is everyone's favorite scene of the entire season three. (laughs) It's where Finch will argue about chairs. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, <clears throat> those chairs are expensive. You gotta go with the cheap <laughs> chairs. Come on, people. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get what they were going for. The fact that, you know... They're talking about compromises. They're talking about being grown-ups. They're talking... You know, they're having the conversation... They're having their version of the conversation that Curtin Blaine had earlier in the episode. Yeah. And I'm going to point out, I'm pretty sure it ends with her in his lap and maybe some kissing. Yes, so, it does. You know. Yes, it does. So contrast here. Contrast. Yeah. I mean, regardless of the fact that you wouldn't take, the chairs would not be at the high school. That is stupid. <laughs> maybe the, maybe, um, no. What if they had the um, shop class build them two chairs? And that's, you know. Those are rental chairs. Those are clearly <laughs> wedding rental chairs. <laughs> And also, she kisses him on the cheek. They are both uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she kisses him on the cheek in his lap. Yeah. Well, that's Finchel. <laughs> yes. So. He, he is the chair. <laughs> <laughs> it's even not even that long of a scene. I just think it's funny that people get so mad about it. It's, it's really like, short. <laughs> when I watched yeah. it this time, I was like, oh, that's it. Oh. <laughs> people were like, oh, the chair thing. I'm like, it's really not even that bad. <laughs> so I think it's because we were at the time we were so hyper focused on you know the two couples and contrasting each other, you know that we were yeah, it seemed longer than it really was. So, so yeah, because this time it didn't seem as long. <laughs> no, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to talk about Finn and his um, <laughs> actor studio audition? <laughs> you know every. 
everything about his story, his his monologue, his little anecdotes, all the stuff, all the way through the scene where he's talking with his mom, where his mom says your gown with the extra long sleeves has arrived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's all, it's so sad. It is. It's so sad at this point. Um, it makes his, it makes all of those things about his story a lot more interesting, I have to mm-hmm. say, in retrospect. Um it is interesting to see him for the first time in a long time talk about how his high school years were good and he's totally looking forward to the future. Um, and it's funny cause he's again talking about his future in New York with Hummelberry where he does seem like the odd man out. Um, mm-hmm. So it, t- it all totally for him actually being the odd man out in the end totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, the I fact think, that he has, you know, he has his friend who's a junior sign his yearbook with something emotional. I'm talking about Will. I uh, know, that's why I started giggling. <laughs> uh, Will taught, lets him know that he had perved on him in the shower and planted the pot, and Finn loves it. Mm. And they have this that's another yeah. BFF moment. It's another flashback for nostalgia purposes. <laughs> That's what I wanted to see again. Been in the shower. (laughs) It is really kind of creepy when I think about it, though. They flashback specifically to Will watching Finn in the shower. Well, the whole thing with Finn, I wanted to build on that, is that um, I think you brought up some great points. And I I think that it's, for me, it was more poignant to look at, considering if I consider what happened in his story arc in season four, and him trying to find himself... You know, trying his place and everything and where he was supposed to be. I think that adds more context to where he is in season three or at the end of season three. Then now that we had that information, then if we at that point when I was first doing it without any other context to it, I think it adds. You know, so much of season three is him floundering. And Mm -hmm. so we have these moments where he's being all decisive about how things are definitely going to be, definitely going to be. And Mm -hmm. I like that it doesn't last very long before you can start to see the cracks in it. It totally leads through to the final scene in this episode. Um, And it, it works. It all works really well for Finn. Mm -hmm. Not like it works out well for him, but it all like, it's, it's a, it's a very smart way to do this episode for him. Yeah. I agree. I was going to say, because he has this chat with his mom, and it's all about, you know, I, I want to, you know, remember my dad right, and I feel like, I don't think him being an actor was something that he was really passionate about. It was something that Rachel no. was like, you Throw should do this. Yeah. Because, because Rachel, yeah, because Rachel decided for him, and he didn't decide for himself, so. Exactly. Yep. And I mean, no way along, nowhere is this one of his strengths at all. <laughs> it's right up next to dancing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then we go into, again, I, I, I like this kind of thing. Um, it's the juniors singing um, In My Life, which is one of my favorite songs. I love this song, um, to to the seniors. And Well, they're mostly singing to Finn. I, I know. This is another one of those. Why? <laughs> or, why? It's because Brad Beltrick wrote this episode. Um <laughs> But we're ignoring that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really nice little tribute from the juniors to the seniors. This mm-hmm. episode should have been called Goodbye, Fan. We love you. 
Oh, you know what? That's really sad, though. <laughs> I yeah, know. It is. But yeah, that's the juniors. They don't get up oh, and dance around. But when you but... think about Finn's story arc, the fact that his most meaningful place is in the Glee Club, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that he was supposed to come back and lead the Glee Club. Yeah. As it opposed is. to a bunch of people who should have been in New York not coming back to Lima leading the Glee Club. <laughs> um, meanwhile, there during the song is a lot of um, a lot of shared looks between Kurt and Blaine, and Blaine again is like half crying, and Kurt's just yeah. smiling but wistfully. Um, they do. Noticed- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No. I said I just I noticed more of that in that you know in this particular scene than. The rest. Well, I think it's a more emotional song. I think this is about the other one was you know the senior song was kind of like it's fun. We had a great time. You guys are gonna have a great time too. You know, peace out. We're gone. This one is mm-hmm. like kind of more introspective, and um, you know these are the meaningful times that we shared. And the lyrics that um, there's a pan between Kurt and Blaine when they do the lyrics. But of all the friends and lovers, there's no one who compares with you. Yeah. Um, that was a good yes. Song. Yep, that was. I agree. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's it's. They kind of. I I like the structure. I like that they each got a song, and one was fun, and one was emotional, and and it was really well done. Okay, so um, and then we get into Quinn, and I don't have a whole lot to say about her, but oh, except for that she's watching. You know, she's her storyline and Puck's storyline kind of converge a little bit, um, but she does have a. Moment where she's walking through the hallway that she sees, uh, maybe it's a little later, but there's a scene where Santana, Kurt, and Mercedes are all joking around. No, with each I other. think it's this one. And Santana's doing the funny dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because she's like, oh, these are all my friends. And I'm like, oh, you, you know, it's, I mean, Santana and she and Santana have been adversaries for so long. And I kind of miss the, you know, season one, Mercedes and Quinn had a, a friendship. Yeah. I, I don't I think anyone's like, really friends with Quinn. She's kind of cold. I mean, that's not to say that she's mean or bad, but she's not. She's not uh, friends with them in the same way. You don't see her in a group setting, joking around and talking with people ever. There's never a background moment where it's like, look at all these people having fun with Quinn. <laughs> and I, I thought I find that a little bit uh, bit sad because if you think about the season one where she had her pregnancy and everything, it seemed like that at that point, especially in regionals when she, or, or for, I think it was at regionals or, yeah, when she went to the hospital and everything, they seemed particularly close then, especially in her relationship with Mercedes, you know, her friendship with Mercedes, and it, I feel like that whole that whole storyline with her got dropped or pushed aside to a certain extent and I'm yeah. I, I was sad that they didn't follow up on that at least touch base on that or acknowledge that that happened because that well, I do think from, yeah I mean for time I think it was smart that they focused on the two characters who were the most meaningful for Quinn mm-hmm. who were Rachel and Puck I thought that was smart yeah um it was a little bit of a here you go, Faberi. I know I was going to um, say that. <laughs> I mean, there yeah. was so, like yeah. when that episode aired, people were calling that the uh, the Scissor Express, the train passes that they oh, out. Gosh. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, and that's so uh, funny. It's you can tell yeah, it's one of those things. The writers weren't really going to, you know, because they said, "Oh, here's a plane or a, a train ticket," and they never played that they off. Never take it. Well, maybe she yeah. took it. Um, 
when is it in naked when Finn when Finn, when Quinn magically shows up? Maybe she took the train pass for that. No, oh, maybe true. I mean, being Quinn's friend is really important to Rachel. Mm. I don't understand. Why, no, I don't but understand. It's always been really important to Rachel, which is really uh, weird. It only makes sense in the Faberi context. I swear. <laughs> well, I think I think it's been. Yeah, if you think about season one, if you go back to season one, uh, Finn always represents Finn. Quinn always re- represented to Rachel like the her, the it, it girl. She had status I mean, because she was yeah. the popular girl and everything. And um, so I think that she admired her in that way, and she wanted to be like her. I mean, for, for goodness' sake, in season two, she wanted to get a nose job like 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 Quinn. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I just so. thought it was interesting that, like, you know, I think Quinn is someone who's going to choose who she stays associated with. And it was mm-hmm. interesting that Rachel was one of those people. Yeah. She was given Puck a great send off, but she was choosing to stay associated with Rachel. I think it's mm-hmm. also kind of weird when, you know, Rachel's dating Finn and that's Finn's ex-girlfriend. I mean, it, it just seems weird to me, especially in high school. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but speaking of Puck, yeah, we have the, the Quinn Puck scene, and I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know why they did it, but they used the claim theme music during this song, the, during this little thing. <laughs> I'm like, why? It's, it's, yeah, it's they do good. it twice yeah. in the series. They use that claim theme for something else. This is the first time they do that. The second time is oddly between a, a Jake and a Puck scene. It's so weird. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it's just very, yeah. like, throws me off guard. I'm like, what is this? But I don't know. But yeah, this is kind of um, Quinn and Puck kind of saying goodbye to each other. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, I like, I wish they would have left it. I like that they're like, we had this meaningful thing. You will always be meaningful to me. We're saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, then that's when Puck goes off and, and tries to ace his test. But then we get mm-hmm. a, you know, who's been really absent and not even noticeably um, is Sue. Um and she's, you know, back in on top and um, still pregnant, I believe. Is she still? No, she's not. She is, because this entire scene is just old lady baby jokes yeah. between her and yeah. Rose. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to have this scene because it's a, it's a lighthearted breakup of all the other heavy stuff. I think they were smart to put it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Roz and Sue are fabulous. Well, that's what we, we've yeah. talked about it yeah. before, how Coach Roz is used just about perfectly in this series that she's in it just enough to add the bit of comedy and add the bit of tension, but not overdone where they like killed it. So, all right. And then that's when Quinn comes back in and she, um, she, I mean, she and Sue have had a weird kind of mentory student relationship throughout the years. So, Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the symbolism of the retiring of the uniform, and yeah. you know they're sharing all their memories and their tears. I didn't care that much. I think it's because I just don't care that much. <laughs> well, I, that's a just another deliberate way to touch upon something that was touched upon and introduced in the pilot. You know, because they had a scene in their office and his office and everything, and I think it was just to kind of touch upon that. Kind of, they come full circle a little bit. Well, in this yeah. scene, or the scene, this episode wraps up quite a bit. I mean, this could be, mm-hmm. this could have been, and maybe we can touch upon this more on the end, a, a serious finale in some respects. I mean, you tack on a coda of flash forwards, and you've basically gotten a, a, a serious finale. Yeah. Well, especially with Quinn. Yeah. 
She's done. She's done. Well, and so is Puck. And, and speaking of Puck, he's, yeah. you know, take, he took his test, got a C minus, which is a Puckerman A plus. <laughs> I love all the seniors are there, which cracks me up because even like Mercedes and Kurt are there. And uh, Kurt hugs the teacher. I know, I love that. Yeah, and and you got Blaine there too, and I think he, he no, acknowledges Blaine. No, that's another scene. That's in. Um, oh, really? That's nothing. Okay. Props yeah, when he takes no choke. He takes the test and choke, and he fails. But all the guys oh, are there. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, this oh, is yeah. all the seniors. So Puckerman got, takes tests with a group. Okay. <laughs> he has to have a yeah. cheering session for him to have I a test. I got mixed up. I think it's because those scenes are similar. So. They are. They actually are quite a bit similar. Uh, a different yeah. teacher, though. Yeah. How weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. look, there's a different teacher. McKinley, not just Will. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I think the reason they have the group there is because it, it, this scene leads into the graduation stuff. And I don't know if you guys remember all of the promotion about graduation oh, like, yeah, through the entire year. The They're yeah, walking the hallway, and and yeah. So mm-hmm. I will say this: I don't usually like them, but this puck performance is perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. it's a it does perfect song for him. It works yeah. really. It, it's stupid because the ceremony is going on. That's like there's some logistical things that are weird, but that's fine because it's Glee. But this puck thing is really great. Yeah, I think this song fit him really well. Yeah. Let's talk about the graduation ceremony and the the um, the senior hierarchy because these were obviously done not in alphabetical order, um, but in no. order of importance. <laughs> cast cast order. <laughs> well, you got um, Mike Chang starting this off. And being mm-hmm. really cute. And his parents are... Or no, no, they're not. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, his dad's there. I think his parents are there. Yeah. And Tina's there cheering him on. And then we get um, uh, Quinn, who comes out. Does she have any... Fa- her mom her comes mom back. Said. That's right. Yes. Well, she's been living with her mom since whenever yeah. her mom took her back. That's yeah. kind of a nice That's touch. Yeah. So, um, and then we get... I'm watching this in real time, so it's slower. Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mercedes, Mercedes Jones. Yeah. Mercedes. I don't I don't remember seeing anybody from Mercedes. No, oh, nobody yeah, Sam? I mean, does she even get a look from Sam? No, she doesn't. I don't, know. I don't um, think so. She doesn't. No. no. Uh Puck just, uh, comes along and and thanks Emma, of all people. And because he doesn't have any family <laughs> yeah. there either. Jake's yeah. nowhere to be found. Santana. Who shakes her boobs? Yeah, <laughs> classy boobs. Oh man! Um, and then yeah, her mom's in the crowd, and then Kurt with his. I love that he has the spider accessory. Yep. I love that he has the high kick and the yeah. crazy spider brooch. Yep. Well, I love he and comes out and Blaine gives him a little like you know hanky yeah, and like yeah, yeah. I mean, tells him to dry his eyes and yes, yeah. yeah. And there's and the two I, old ladies next to them that are clearly fandom, just losing it. Yeah. And I and I love Bert's reaction. Yeah, he oh, high fives my chin. He's screaming and pointing because yep. you know he's serious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then of course Finn Hudson. And it flashes uh, to Will first. I love that. <laughs> I think Carol's there. Yeah, Carol's yeah, there. She's Carol's there. She's there. Yeah. Bert. Yep. Yeah, and then of course you know the most important person at the school, Rachel Berry. <laughs> yeah, but it's sad her dad's aren't even there. Oh, 
Well, she's yep. the star of the show. <laughs> Maybe they went in height order. Oh, wait, no, because nobody's taller than Finn. <laughs> <laughs> no, the order of importance, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it really is a cast order. Um, and then, at this point, I wanted, wanted to interject for something for a minute. Uh, I don't know if this has anything where the song was supposed to be, but I remember on the graduation soundtrack, the album, there was a song that was meant for... Oh, um. Are you talking about Good Riddance by yeah. with Finn and Blaine? Finn um, I, I don't that, think it no. was actually for the episode. I think it was for the album. It's a very okay. popular graduation song. And yeah, I was, yeah, I was wondering if that was supposed to, if it was filmed somewhere or got, got cut, or would they, they just added that in there for the sake of adding that in there, or what? I think it's just so. a song. I don't think there was ever any filming about it. As far as oh, I know, okay. there was not ever a scene connected to it. It was a because it was a popular graduation song, they stuck it on the graduation album. Okay, that's kind of odd to me, but I mean, I enjoy the song. Well, they did it. The same kind of thing with some of the Christmas albums, too. They have songs on there, and then the Warblers album has a few songs on there that were never in, or never supposed to be in the show. They just figured, like, let's record these and do them. I don't know. Okay, good, because thank you for answering that. I think that bugged me every time. Ever since I had the album, I, mean, I enjoyed the song and everything, but I could never figure out whether it was cut scene or whether it was meant to be on just the additional song. So thank you for you. You're thank welcome. You I'm sorry it's not a definitive yes, no, or whatever, but. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> that's more than I knew before. So I'm glad. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. I completely forgot that song was associated, but we it, it's a nice. Um, it's kind of a nice thing that they, the two of them have that duet. Um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I hope you have the time of your life. Um, yeah. and yeah, so. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It is a public graduation. Song. It is. It's well, like, it was our, I know it was my graduation song. So, yeah, <laughs> but I think it was everybody. I, that- I believe I graduated before that song came out. No, yeah, you know what? <laughs> that came out the year before I graduated was that vitamin C, C song called oh, graduation. Yeah. And it was every like everybody just yeah. I don't think I've heard it since the early two thousands, but um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my question: How many seniors are at McKinley? Because <laughs> it looked like there were like maybe at most seventy five <laughs> on the stage. Well, you yeah, can't have that many. That is a tiny school for all the crap they have going on. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like a, maybe a hundred. Maybe a hundred. Isn't that insane? I don't know. My graduating class was eighty-seven, um, but we wow. were. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mine was eight hundred. Yeah, mine was four hundred. Holy oh. crap! Where did you people go to high school? Um, <laughs> but I will say, unlike Lima, is much bigger than the school that I went to. Um, we, I went to a class D school in you know the middle of the Midwest, in the middle of nowhere. Um, Lima is more comparable to one of our bigger city, not big, big cities or anything, but it's a bigger suburbia area. And I would have guessed maybe three or 400 for their graduating class. Well, there's um, also North Lima where Chandler goes mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's Dalton and Crawford. I can't say it now. The, the, day, day. the girl day school. Girl yeah, day Crawford school, County Day School or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Connie, you said you graduated with, Four. what, 400? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's probably what Lima was. You know, if it was a realistic. I mean, they can't stick four hundred people on that stage. I'm sorry, but yeah, uh, and they couldn't have it outside, so they had to have a limited amount of space. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lima is portrayed as much bigger than the school that I went to. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we oh the letter opening letter oh. opening. And here's my thing: as we've mentioned before, the college application process is kind of insane, um, and you would not be getting your acceptance letters this late. You don't get and them in June. In those tiny envelopes. Yeah. No. Well, Kurtz <laughs> might have been in a tiny envelope. <laughs> That was, yeah, okay. Okay, so let's talk about this. <laughs> I, I like how nervous they are all. Yeah. They all are. Um, mm. It's I irritating did. to me that Rachel's nervous at all because she should know that everything is going to work out fine. Um, but I appreciate how nervous Kurt is. I wasn't nervous for him going in. Nobody so was. I, this was such a shock to. Yeah. But I appreciate how nervous he is throughout this episode. And so it it, it yeah. cushions the blow a little bit upon rewatch. Um, and I like that Finn wants to take a moment and just, you know, sort of cherish that quiet moment before everything changes. Mm-hmm. And I think I like the fact that he not acknowledged that, too. You know, told them about that. Yeah, that was a nice little pause between. I mean. That was really great acting. That scene because I could feel all their tension and anxiety. So yeah, it was a, it's good. a good scene. Yes. Well, and then you know Finn doesn't get in, and he looks positively sick. I mean, we kind of knew going in. They just kind of threw that in there that it probably wasn't going to work out for that for for him. And, yeah. and the whole foreshadowing it means everything with Finn related in this episode is foreshadowing that he's not going to go in the same place as Rachel. But with Kurt, you know, we get it, and it's like. What? And like even the audience doesn't even get a minute for that to sink in because Rachel's yeah. like, I gotta open mine. And there's more time spent on her opening her letter than, you know, and I like in well, the back. In true Kurt fashion, he would like Defocus to go somewhere else because he's experiencing feelings right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is one of the ways where he, he plays into it. He's like, Rachel, please go on ahead. Yeah. Um, and I do. I, that image of the Hudmull brothers standing there side by side. I think Finn might even have his arm around Kurt and they're both. Yeah, he does. He does. Crushed, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like the two of them together. Yeah. And I think that was a real brotherly moment. I mean, you could tell how far they've come in their, I guess, friendship. And they really, truly acted. I think it was a great moment for them to wind up on as uh of course, they build upon that in season four when you see them, but um, but that was a nice moment between the two of them. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to point out about Rachel reading her letter, it's actually staged. If you guys remember in Michael, when, when Kurt gets his acceptance uh, or his audition, you can audition letter, and Chris Colfer like, plays it both ways that you don't know exactly how he's feeling. You think that maybe he's devastated, but he's actually happy. Um, I feel like they're trying to play that the same way, and like nothing against Leah Michelle, she just doesn't pull it off the same way. <laughs> yeah. Because she's like, I got in. and Well, for her character, she's going to be happy about that accomplishment first. Mm-hmm. And the other feelings are all secondary. So it's very true to her. 
Yeah. You know, it makes total sense that she's happy for herself, but really sad about the consequences. Well, Kurt's still devastated for himself. He's probably jealous of Rachel, as he should be, because fuck that shit. Just Rose's turn playing in my head now. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. um, but Finn has been prepared for this moment, like, from day one. Yeah. You know, this is what was going to happen. I don't think he really expected himself to get it. He just kind of went through the most... Uh, he went kind of went through the motions because Rachel wanted him to. I, I mean, that... Well, That's the know, impression that I at least got. One of the lovable things about Finn is that he's an idiot optimist. Yeah. Um, and then we get to, because you know she is the star of the show, um, after all of this stuff, we get Rachel's monologue. And, I, you know, there's part of me that I'm just like, when she goes through it, she's like, I was prom queen and blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, God, stop. Um, but... I do, I do find it interesting what she's like, you know, all of my dreams have come true, but maybe I should, you know, help my friends achieve their dreams. And for like a half a second, it's like, wow, you know, Rachel Berry is, yeah. is thinking about someone other than herself. And it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And it would have been interesting to see how she would have dealt with trying to, I'm not saying that she shouldn't have gone after her dream. I do think that's the right choice for her, but I don't know. I, I see your point. But Rachel Berry needed to get on that fucking train. Oh, I, yeah. She mm-hmm. needed to get on the train on her own. She can yeah. be sad. She can have emotions. She can care about people. But if she had not gone, if she had actually deferred, I would have been livid. Yeah, because that's not, yeah, it's not true. That would be very, uh, not the whole be... story. Is yeah. Rachel, she's got to go. Get, yeah. get the fuck to New York, man. I do really like that she talks about um, how going to New York without Kurt would be like remaking Beaches without Bette Midler. (laughs) Because it's got Bette Midler. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That would be, if she would have said that would have been so out of character for uh, her character. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it. And then I also didn't like that they're cleaning out their lockers after graduation has already happened. That doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't make sense either. Well, um, but they gave them a setting. Fine. They um, there is a quick scene with Santana and mom, and I just it's a nice little scene because you know Santana's mom gets her money and's like, I think you should go to New York, and she's like, Well, you know, I'll, I, I'm going to go to Louisville first or whatever. But it's the thing that's really sticking out to me is that there is a picture of Rachel Berry in Santana's locker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I know, it was in Dance with Somebody, I believe, but it's just funny that everything yeah. is taken down except for the one with her and Brittany, and then the picture of Rachel Barrett. <laughs> I will say this, just let me just speak out to the podcast listeners. Those of you who might have children of college age, those of you who are children going into college, if your money person, parent or whatever, gives you all the money to take care of yourself for now on, do not fuck that up. <laughs> Do not spend that money. Uh, as a parent, I suggest you do not do that mm-hmm. because very few of them will not just accidentally spend it. I have mm-hmm. multiple friends whose parents thought, you're 18, go for it. By the time they were 20, well, that was that. Mm-hmm. They had spent the college money. They hadn't, you know, this the, that part of the brain hadn't been fully formed yet. So it 
as a teenager watching the scene, you think, oh, that's great. Her mom's being so cool and totally trusting her. As an adult watching that scene, I'm like, no, she doesn't even know how much money they're supposed to be. Give her half. Don't tell her about the other half. And then later on, when she's fucked it all up, give her the other half. Like, this, you can't do this. Well, and even as a person who has, does not have kids and doesn't plan on having kids, I'm still like, you know, after, you know, you're an adult and you save money for a while, just giving that amount of money to, you know, your yeah. kid to do everything. Like, okay. Yeah. At least put it in an account. I think she Unless does have access to it. I don't know how much Santana really screws around with it, but. Well, she doesn't seem to spend a lot of money because she mostly just lives on the Hummelberry loft couch or other random places. Lena with Lena Dunham for a while. I don't know if we see yeah. her eat food ever in the series, so she doesn't eat. Yeah, she was um, <laughs> back in season one when Mercedes had the body issue stuff. She talks about like how she drinks that horrible like mixture of oh, grossness. Yeah, yeah. Oh. that's the only time. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. breadsticks. There's free breadsticks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Breadsticks. she loves her breadsticks. Yeah. Breadsticks. That's true. So she eats. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we are now into the last 10 minutes of this episode, um, which is infamous uh, for being everyone's, like, least favorite sequence ever. Um, we start out with the Finn and Rachel car scene, um, which, in retrospect, yeah. is really interesting because as frustrating as it is, and I do think there are a lot of not cool things in the scene, I give some credit for being really well acted. Yeah, that was a really... well acted. And yeah. I... I am on Team Finn here. I, I think he is doing the right thing. And as much as uh, the feminist in me is very frustrated that he's the one making the decision, and he even goes so far as to say, I joined the army, I'm going to go someplace where you can't find me, like you can't come after me, I think that Rachel maybe kind of would. You know? She's not thinking, at, she's not thinking about things as logically as she normally is. Her ambition is muddled with this romance with Finn and so there there are some ways that it's executed that rub me the wrong way there's just some things about Finchel that I don't really like but I do think that the end result of all of it uh it is a pretty powerful scene especially now um and in the end you know they do the right thing. As a couple, they do the right thing. They break up. They go their separate mm -hmm. ways. And they say, well, if the universe wants us together in the end, the universe will bring us back together somehow. Which I think is a reasonable thing for the two of them to do. Clean, I want them to Skype. I want them to hang out. <laughs> I want mm -hmm. them to stay together. Some of those other couples, I want them to be together. Finchel needed to break up right here. No, I'm, I'm pretty much in, in agreement with everything that you said. And I think that... Really, when you look at their whole arc, all of this finchelness that we've been, like, forced to suffer through for the last 22 episodes, it's, it, com it comes to this point. It, it, it's like, at the end of the day, here are these two people who meant something, uh, meant a lot of things in high school, and now that they've reached the end of high school, them as a romantic couple doesn't make sense because they're on these different tracks and they are leading to different lives and they are going to different places. And it just would have been even messier if they had tried to sustain something. Mm -hmm. Somebody would have been resentful if somebody had stayed. 
Finn would have been resentful. He'd gone to New York and just, you know, tried to live as Rachel Berry's husband. And it just, neither way was good for them. So. Well, they did try something like that in season four. At least the episodes up to the breakup, I think. They did. They did. And it just proved how right Finn was. Yeah. Well, it was just during the breakup episode, so. (laughs) But. I did. I have to, when I first saw this, I was confused. I was like, they just graduated. Why is she moving to New York right now? How soon does Niata start? What's going on? And then I also noticed when we're paying attention to here that he's taking her to the train station and her dads are meeting him there. So are the dads are just flying on a plane. She has to take the train. When does she find the dad? Like, she's meeting with her dads there. It's just it's like the the Glee logistics just go. I think it was that they wanted her to be alone for this journey. I think yeah. yeah. I think that was smart. Yeah. She's gonna have to deal with being alone. And really Finn would have just been in her way. I mean, honestly, this scene is so much sadder than I remember. Yeah. I remember really not caring. (laughs) And this time around I cared. Well, she is when she realized it, I mean she's sobbing and then the whole glee club is there to send her off and and it's just all, I agree, the whole thing is just really sad. And I mean, him running off to the train and, and things, I mean, just the whole thing was just sad. Yeah. So. As someone who doesn't really like Finchel, and as everybody knows, because I complained about them in every podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> it is a, a moving scene, but I, I like it. And maybe I like it because it's, it, it does end this this thing that I did not enjoy. And I feel like this is the first time the characters are making decisions that feel right to their relationship and, and their characters. Yeah. But um, I, I do think it is a powerful scene. I do think they did a really good job with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do, I, I like the way that they were able to, tra- it is, I don't know how long the train ride is clearly longer than the plane flight her fathers are on, but it's long enough for Rachel to have an emotional transition, to go through the emotional journey, to step out into New York and really start to feel all of the possibilities I was fully expecting when she was walking around New York for there to be that moment where, like, the cab drives by and splashes water on her or something. Because that seemed like such a glee thing to do. Like the slushy, yeah. Well, but I don't Um, think that's... But I like that they just had her opening up to the world. Yeah, that's that's it exactly. Um, that I feel like her the moments of her coming into New York was not about like the comedy of like her getting slushied all over again. I think it, they really played it seriously, and that this is Rachel's yeah. story, and this is where she was always supposed to go. And again, if we look at it as more of a serious finale type thing, this is you know she reached her goal. She is in New York, and this is where her storyline of this girl who's just desperate to be be a performer and get to New York ends. So it's not and a funny not thing, it's a serious thing. Logically, when it comes to Finn, Finn is in the way if he can't adjust to going to New York. I don't know why he can't. Lots of different kinds of people in New York, but, you know. <laughs> well, because he's well, like he, Sam. I mean, he wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have liked it. I don't think that. Uh, well, he even says that during the breakup episode. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but thinking forward to, like, the next season. And it's really a breakup episode. He even says that to Rachel that. New York isn't for me, you know, it's not my speed, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but that's another discussion for another time, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you have all of the Glee Club there saying goodbye to her, and 
She hugs Mercedes and Kurt. Are dressed in ridiculous outfits. They are. (laughs) Imagine how hot it is in Ohio. In June. (laughs) Doesn't which one of them has a little lobster? Oh, that'd be Blaine. Blaine. Some sort of striped shirt with a vest. Like a no, he has he has on a suit jacket. I think it's this. He has on like white pants and a suit jacket. He looks like maybe there's like a nautical theme, and then Blaine's got the lobster thing going on. I don't know. Maybe they're going to the weird country club after this. It reminds um, me of one of those like horse jockey. You know, one thing that like a horse. You know, what the an equestrian. Yeah, equestrian. Yeah. Sorry, sorry about yeah equestrian. It's, it reminds me. Of, thank you for the turn. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, it reminds me of that right now. Right. It reminds yeah. me of that kind of setup. Yeah. So, Snarky, do you want to talk about your issues with this scene? Well, I want Clay to be holding hands at the end. They are standing next to each other. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And they are, you know, happy for Rachel. That's fine. But I really wanted to see them holding hands. Well, I don't see why that would have been so hard. Not together until the very end when they're all waving. I mean, when yeah, they're Puck standing. Get out of the way. Puck's in between them. <laughs> I don't know why Puck needs to be there. I, I, Puck, you weren't invited to this threesome. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> because in this moment it's not about because it's a, that's interesting I don't think Brittany and Santana are not there for whatever reason but um uh, <laughs> it, nobody is standing next to you know they're like Mercedes and Sam are not standing next to each other yeah, it's about friendship it's about, it's about friendship yeah, it's not about Rachel. yeah this is not a scene where we're trying to make a clean statement this is a scene about everybody saying yeah. goodbye to and when they but if it had been someone else on the train and Finchel had been on the platform, the two of them would have been all over each other, which is part of the Finchel exhaustion, which is maybe part of why with the breakup, everyone's like, fine, thank God. You know, well, I some think of them it, were simply overcompensating. Yeah, I think, too, I think I think also since the, given the theme of the season, you know, about the, the contrast between the two couples again, I think. I think we as fans, I remember specifically at the time when we were talking about this, but we are kind of hypersensitive. Not not hypersensitive, but really... What, what oh, I'm I hypersensitive. Say, I'm going to go or, hypersensitive. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or maybe, maybe more our awareness was heightened about every position or every touch that they, you know, every every moment of a, kind of affection or that we can interpret. I think we were focused on that, so... I think that kind of played into it. But yeah, I remember I was that way too. I was trying to, you know, trying to spot out, okay, since they didn't have, yeah, since I didn't think there was enough, you know, togetherness. I, I was trying to figure out, you know, okay, which point were they standing next to each other and stuff. So looking I back on I do want to say, I think uh, the way that Rachel arrives in New York is so perfect for her. She mm-hmm. has on a little pink outfit with the hat she's got the bobby socks all high she's got the pink suitcase she is 100 percent rachel berry in that yeah. moment and it's pretty awesome well it is. really yeah. quickly um i wanted to mention the scene changes when we get to the other platform that the train's actually leaving there are more people because mike and tina are now standing there together and santana is actually in the background of this one and will and emma have their arms around each other and so is this Joe is I think Joe is there um, and Rory's yeah. there. I mean, when's the last time we talked about Rory? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goodbye, Rory. <laughs> He's going on another train to Ireland. 
But yeah, Joe is actually standing next to Kurt on the other side. And Plane's doing that two-handed wave thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. The two-handed yeah. wave, the seal yeah. clap. And um, Brittany is taking uh, a camera. A camera. She's filming it next to Sugar. Sugar's all like... And Rory's in the background, like, he is so yeah. funny, he's waving, and he, he's got this look on his face, like, why am I still here? <laughs> it's so funny! No one knows Rory. <laughs> no. Do I oh, care really? about these people? No, not really. Well, they had to fill in, you know, it had to look like a big group. Yeah. yeah. And her dads are already on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, then you're right, we get, we get Rachel leaving, we get her, you know... Triumphant, in a lot of ways walking around New York. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I think, because looking back on it, you know, if you think about it in the series one, especially with this one, I felt like this was like the potential series finale of part one and then you get because then you uh you could have potentially i think three season series finales you could have like the um this one the one one the 100 episode in season five five and then you get the actual series finale in season six so i think there are three potential different it felt like it feels like they were going in three different finales for 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 some. There's reason. more, in my opinion. Yeah. There's actually more than that. Yeah. Glee does a great job of letting people know. Okay, you can stop watching the show now. <laughs> like they do it consistently throughout. The, I mean, at least at this one, there's a point of like, hey, there's going to be a transition. Like there's a little yeah. hint that there's something else. But uh, Glee does parallels very well, and it also does mm. goodbyes very well. So yep. that if you wanted to just stop watching it now, you totally could. Yeah, I think, I think you could. Yeah, yeah, I think you really you could, yeah. Because for this point, they kind of captured the people that followed since season one, and they got this full story arc of the seniors. Yeah. Like, okay, this is one, you know, this point A to point B. And then if you wanted to watch it further on, you can get part Two, which is season four-ish and to five, and then you get actually the ones who really stuck it out. <laughs> you can get this, the the final series finale, which is season six. But yeah. yeah, and even you know the the season finale of season five would have been a perfect series finale. Yeah, that's which is true. weird because that's the one where they knew for sure they were going to have another one. So what the I don't even okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Glee. Yeah. Um, I want to yeah. say that I want to point That's out that great. Rachel um, ends up on Forty Second Street, which I think is funny. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's kind of nice. I'm glad that she comes out and it's not in Times Square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not the most important place for her, and she's been there no. before. Yeah, that too. And it probably I was mean, too expensive to shut down Times Square for a second time. But yeah, they, they yeah, and like they already re- they are, like you said, they already visited that in season two i think so. but that isn't real new york i mean she's walking yeah. around real new york at this point i mean yeah and 42nd street there's a lot of theaters on 42nd yeah so that's fitting that she would be there yeah as i have to say uh when you look at rachel berry as the heart of the show thank god this is where they ended 
this season. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny. I remember what I was going to say. A lot of people were upset that the last 10 minutes were spent was spent on all this Finchel stuff. And maybe because I've had enough time away from it or whatnot, but it feels like it makes a lot of sense. Like, I understand their choices in doing this. And it makes sense for the story, overarching story that they were telling. Yeah. Well, if you, I agree. It didn't you, feel like, as long as I thought when I watched it this time. No, I because know. we were all waiting for something no. to happen after this, and it didn't. This, this yeah. solo just kept going. So. And plus, I wanted to. It's a to, good song. <laughs> I wanted to piggyback off that and say, I guess, going back to the whole wider perspective. Just to see where the storyline, where their storyline could have gone in the whole series. I mean, if I was just kind of thinking, what what happened if 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 uh, things hadn't tragically happened to Corey? What I mean, how I mean, we would know what kind of storyline they would Brian Murphy wanted to end that. But considering the whole story arc as a whole, it just feels there's a tinge of sadness to it because it's it's. Um, that they weren't able to realize what their original uh, storyline wanted to, to, to wanted to be like, and to kind of carry the conclusion. I mean, I think they did a great job in retrospect what they did, uh, you know, handled the storyline. But it just, uh, I guess, time away from it, and also considering what happened in real life in the long run, it was real. It just kind of changed my perspective of Finchel as a whole. I think, for me well, at least. Um, I'm actually really glad that we didn't have the finale that they wanted to have because mm-hmm. I don't think it's appropriate to Rachel and that takes me to my rage place when I think about it. And I think the finale that we got for Rachel, where she ends up with someone who loves her, understands her ambition, shares her passion, doesn't make her have to change fundamental things about herself in order to do you know that it ends her with her marrying uh jesse st james and winning a tony that's mm-hmm. rachel's story not coming home and settling for finn like five years later when she's still yeah. very young like i just i can't i cannot accept that in terms of mm. what rachel berry was supposed to be and i maybe they would have played it in some way that would have been meaningful and wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I actually prefer the story that we got, which is I really thought I wanted this thing. This person was my person. You know, he was the place that I felt was home. But things changed. Mm-hmm. And she still gets to have a happy ever after. Yeah. Which happens, which happens to a lot, you know, what happens in, you know, real life too. Yeah. I mean, things change. You could always have your first love, and not yeah. everybody has their first love that carries on to like. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't. I don't want so, Finn dead. Yeah, but I. Every time I think about the the way that Ryan Murphy has talked about how his version of Glee would end, if Rachel Berry isn't seventy five when that happens, I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just a really funny image. I'm sorry, but no, <laughs> I, I kind of combining both of your thoughts. I think that when you look at this episode in retrospect of what did happen, I think there is it's a more tragic element to it, and there's a more mm-hmm. sense of finality in some respects. 
on the same hand, I, I do lean towards, you know, obviously I don't want anyone to have died, but yeah. I do prefer the story that we got over the one that Ryan Murphy wanted to have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see both points of view. So I was just being, I, I guess, seeing that, you know, I could definitely see what you're saying. And in retrospect, I think I really like the storyline that they wound up in. And so I just found out, uh, I, I just found that I guess it was part of nostalgia that I was. Uh, well, that's okay, Connie. I mean, if you yeah. if you feel that way, you don't feel bad for feeling that way. Yeah. I mean, very it's very a, very many people love Finchel and wanted them to get married. I'm just not one of them. Yeah, I'm a well, I'm a Saint Barry person. I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't really have strong feelings one way or the other about Finchel. I think for me, they got kind of annoying uh, towards uh, towards. I got I got put out with them. But about, I guess during season, during season three, but um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, I could, uh, I didn't have really strong feelings either way for them, but I, I don't know, I guess just my perspective changed a bit. So yeah. well, and that's fine, and yeah. I just like to try to make sure people are comfortable on the podcast with their opinions because I have a tendency to steam everyone's so okay. steamroll everybody's opinion with no. I hate this oh, but yeah. um so no, please don't no, feel no. like oh no, you yeah don't don't feel that way I, I yeah I was just saying that I because I know uh I just I I just wanted to think that um I these, this episode brought up more feelings than I thought <laughs> that I oh yeah yeah for me and I didn't yeah. I didn't realize it like that ending scene, I was really that car scene. Like I got really sad. Mm-hmm. I was I have never been sad when watching that before. <laughs> well, and and bringing it back around to what I said at the beginning, I think this is a better episode than people remember it because they were so yeah. angry about Kurt and about little little bit of claim that we got and all the pencilness. And I feel like when you go back to it and see it for kind of what it was supposed to be, you can still hate it. That's fine, but I, I think it is a much better done episode. Yeah. than what they what people might have thought yeah. it's very different yeah. they've been caught up in the moment I, I i can really distinctly remember reactions at the you know at the time when we were all in it so time time definitely just changes things so uh it does gain you do gain some perspective whether it's the same or different so i yeah, I just, I think it's really interesting to have to go back after after a certain time period and, and revisit these things, which I this is what I love about this. So I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk about this. Absolutely. Well, and and yeah. you know what's also kind of interesting as a kind of a point that we can wrap up on, you know, when we were all watching this in time, I know I personally was kind of dreading season four, and now I'm like, bring season four, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I am all excited about talking about season four. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's such a weird thing, like perspective and time. I mean, this is now five years ago. So, it's 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 yeah, class of two thousand twelve. Yeah, and it's 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 really it's it's really surprising to me that so much time has passed now because, in a way, it seems like it had not too much time has passed, but yet, when you think about it, yeah, it's it's been a while. So. We've been through, you know, they've been through a lot. We've been through a lot, so. Yeah, yeah. and we've now had two years past the show ending to really, really see the show as a whole. And, like, you know, at, at least for me, especially from doing, you know, my own analysis and doing my rankings and doing, talking to mm-hmm. people 
who really passionately love other parts of the show that I don't personally like, I feel like I have yeah. an appreciation for the whole thing better than what I used to. So Yeah, and that's good. I'm glad that we were able to share perspectives and things and talk to different people from different things because it's uh, it's always neat to uncover different aspects of it, even though the, the show has ended. So yeah. I'm still waiting for us to have someone on who just really loves Will. <laughs> well, I want to find someone. I want to. Well, Connie, why? you you don't seem to hate Will like everybody else does, though, right? No, actually, actually, you know, when when I first started this, to watching the series um, in season one, I was a big Will Nemo fan, and I was sure. a big big proponent of Will. Yeah, I don't know when that changed. Season but, uh, two. I guess season two, I guess after I was this <laughs> <point. laughs> but uh, but I never thought that I I always you know I thought was flaws, but I thought that. I always thought that people were, people kind of I am people people are more than welcome to their own perspective. I I can respect that, but I always thought that will the the uh, criticism of will was a little bit much for me because I could because from starting off from somebody that really you know loved the character in season one. Uh, I, I I just thought that I mean I, I just thought that it was a bit much for me, but that was that just uh, yeah. So well, I don't really have the hatred the character from the first season to all the other ones. Yeah, but I totally agree. In, in season one, I mean, like I wanted yeah. Will and Emma to be happy together. Exactly. Yeah. I, I to be honest, I wasn't really in season one. I wasn't really that none of the kids really grabbed me that much. I mean, I would. I was more interested in the adult storyline than the students. It wasn't until season two that I really got invested in the students more. Hmm. So, yeah. So, but it's interesting to see how time again changes things. So, so, but yeah, I was never a really big Will, Will hater, but uh, I, I see his flaws and things and I still appreciate what he, what his intentions were as a teacher coming from a teacher perspective. Yeah, so, that's interesting. Yeah. See, I told, Connie is, you've got to be one of the most open-minded and kindest people on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, <laughs> well, it's always good. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be able to be able to talk with people that have different perspectives and coming from talking about um, with uh, fans who've come in to just watch the series and come talking from to fellow fans who's you know, been like me who's been with the series since uh, for a long time and and things. So it's it's good to gain different perspectives. I try to, I really do try to keep it open mind because I like to see po- the positive aspects while still being able to be open to criticism too. Because no show is perfect, definitely. <laughs> yeah, especially this one. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has its flaws for all that we love. That's what we, we love, love it. it. We do. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps everything up, unless there's some point that you guys had in your notes that we completely skipped over. We're pretty thorough on this one. Yeah, I I think we covered everything that stood out to me, at least. Well, I want to thank you guys for uh, joining me on the end of this kind of crazy ride that was season three. And um, as the the song goes, good riddance and um, have the time of your life. So, <laughs> thank you guys for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so thank clever. Uh, 
<laughs> thank you guys for joining me and uh, we'll see you next Sunday when we talk about we wrap up the season three music so have a great night It's not